0: Welcome to the Empowering Industry Podcast, a production from Empowering Pumps and Equipment as the voice of the pump and related equipment industry. Welcome to the Empowering Industry Podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Matthews. And like every week, I am super excited to bring you a new guest. But before we do that, I want to just let you know that you can subscribe to our channel. That's awesome. You can do that in any platform that you get your podcast, but also we're on YouTube. So take a look at that. We have many um, different videos, different trainings and things there from Empowering Pumps and Equipment as well as as Empowering Women in Industry. We have a lot of fun there too. So um, let's get started. Joel, will you introduce yourself to our audience?
1: Sure, absolutely. And Charlie, thank you so much for having me on this week. Uh, it's a pleasure to meet you back at, at the event in College Station. And yeah, so my name is Joel Poe. Um, I'm the vice president at Applied Impact Robotics. I guess my main focus is, you know, all commercial activities, everything from driving awareness about our product and our startup tech in the oil and gas industry, all the way to raising venture capital funds and, and some other things in that regard. Um, so I've been with the company about two years now. We were founded back late 2019, I believe. Um, I was actually employee number one. So, you know, it, we, we've seen a lot of growth since then. It's a pretty unique founding story. Actually, our co-founders were given the idea by Patronus, which is Malaysia's national oil company. Um, so that's one of the things we differentiate ourselves on a lot. And what startup companies have a, you know, a, a big challenge overcoming is are they actually creating technology that the industry will buy? And so uh for us, that was pretty easy because one of the companies came to us with the idea um, and actually gave us some startup funds to to test out our ideas and concepts. So yeah, a little bit more on my background. Um what we do have in common is I'm actually from Alabama, and so I grew up roll in
0: Tide. I have to, yeah, I have to roll do tide. tide.
1: that's right. um I grew up in Mobile, Alabama area, uh Baldwin County actually. I went to the University of Alabama and uh got a degree in chemical engineering. so I'm very familiar with the Tuscaloosa area. I love it I haven't unfortunately I haven't had a chance to get back there enough uh, as I would like, but I but moved out to Texas,
0: you, you know it connects you with you know, people. I mean, I think that's what, I don't know that you knew us from Alabama when we met, but that was a fun common thing um, at the the conference. So it's fun to, to just have that association and kind of get it. And so um, I do think it's kind of interesting to go from chemical engineering into this robotics role. So I'm curious how that kind of happened.
1: Yeah. You know, it was, uh, it, it was certainly, a, it's been an interesting career path for me so far. Very fortunate actually. Um, when I was You know, I always tell people when I was going into college, I I chose chemical engineering because my brother was actually studying it. And I I really didn't know much more about it other than that. Um, I knew it paid pretty well. So all those things checked the box. And I got the engineering degree, uh, moved to Texas, knew I wanted to get in the oil and gas industry my first job out of college, we actually acquired a small startup company and there was some new technology involved and I was fortunate enough, you know to to be on that kind of first team rolling out that business unit. And uh, we were actually really, really successful with that technology. And so that kind of springboarded me into uh, my role, that I started before Applied Impact Robotics, but it it was a true startup. Uh, We were out raising venture capital money, friends and family dollars, kind of bootstrapping from the garage type thing. And it was really innovative tech, uh, you know, really changed the way the oil and gas industry did business. And we ended up selling out um, to a publicly traded company back in May of 2020, right when, you know, oil went negative and the pandemic hit. And it's unfortunate timing, but uh, it was great for the company and the people that were involved. So th- then actually I had a, a customer, a mutual customer at Kinder Morgan. He introduced me to uh, Fred Briggs and, and Jade Garrett, who are the co-founders of Applied Impact Robotics. And they were kind of, you know, they come from the, the drone and robotics background. Um, they're actually based right outside of Washington, D.C., but they they didn't really have a background in oil and gas. Uh, so they were they were talking with Earl. Uh, who's our mutual connection. And he knew I was kind of trying to get back into a startup role. Um so he made the connection and and things just went from there. And it, it seemed to be a, a really good fit. And I had the background in oil and gas and the business development uh, you know, side of things and and they brought the tech. And and so, you know, 10 years ago, if you'd asked me if I'd be in robotics today, I would have said there's there's no chance. But um you know, I, I went up and visited with Fred and and the team and um, saw what they were doing and the vision they had for this technology. And it, you know, just I fell in love with how they were, you know, how they visioned changing the oil and gas industry. And for me, uh, that's the biggest thing, you know, not so much the robotics, but it's more about how can we bring technology to the oil and gas industry uh, to allow it to evolve and stay competitive with these newer sustainable uh, energies, and so you know we we know it's never going to be completely phased out, but there there's so much room for improvement. Uh, for so many years, oil and gas was you know the only game in town, and and now it's seeing that you know there are alternative energy sources that are are being pushed, um, and some are more successful than others. But it just goes to show you, you know, it's it's so important. Uh, for the industry to have innovation and, and things like robotic platforms, you know, to continue to provide, you know, advantages and keep it fossil fuels as a competitive energy source.
0: Yeah, there, there's so much there. I think, I mean, one, you have that kind of entrepreneurial spirit, that innovation in you kind of just listening to your story, um, that business sense, if you will, um, is kind of there, whether you you kind of put that together with engineering background or not um, it's definitely helpful in the space that you're in and so um, I just love that I love that how you got into this but I'm I am curious you know have you seen um, you know going in and talking robotics with people has it helped companies uh, be more you know efficient effective like what what is it doing to help these companies
1: yeah, it certainly has. Um and I think, you know, we're we're at kind of a a point in this whole technology revolution if you will where, you know, the past decade it's been more trial and error and you know, what are these technologies actually going to be capable of doing and they were there was a lot of failures involved in that um because everybody just had this, you know, preconceived notion that Robotics were just going to come in and replace people. And, you know, we were just going to be this, this, you know, robotic driven, you know, labor force. And, and that's really not the case. You know, it took a decade to kind of figure out that there are limitations on these machines. And, you know, the machine learning and the uh the AI platforms, they've got a long way to go and they're they're certainly helpful, but they're never going to replace humans. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing. And so Uh, You know, when I go and I talk with customers about the value that our technology can provide, it's never about replacing their current workforce or their labor. It's more about, you know, being able to provide them with the resources to enhance their everyday, you know, their everyday jobs and their quality of of their jobs. And so for us specifically, um, we're designing a robot that goes inside of these massive crude oil storage tanks and does, you know, API 653 inspections. And so that's a a federally regulated inspection that these tank owners and operators are are required to do every 10 years. Um, And basically, you know, it just checks for the integrity of the tank to make sure there's no, you know, there's no failures or uh, degradation from corrosion, there's no leaks, things of that nature. And so, our robot, you know, it's injected into the, the oil tank while there's, you know, it's still in service. You don't have to take these tanks out of service, but more so, you know, how they're currently doing these inspections before this technology is they would drain the oil. And then, you know, when the oil's all drained out of the tank, you're left with what they refer to as the bottoms. And that's, you know, the heavy sediment, kind of the tar sludge type material that you you would think of when you talk about crude oil. Um, And, you know, from there, they literally put humans inside of the tank with shovels and equipment to scoop that stuff out. And, you know, these tanks can be as large as 300 feet in diameter by, you know, eight, 10 stories tall. So it's massive amounts of volumes of this sludge um, and sediment. It can take months and months to clean them out before there's ever an inspection ever done. So, with each minute that you're having a human inside these tanks in a confined space entry, uh, you're exposing yourself to to liabilities and and you know potential potential hazards for your workforce. Um, so for us, you know, that's what we're promoting is is safety and quality of of the uh, job description. So, I think there's been, you know, from the top level of these corporations, there's been a a big focus on removing humans from these type of jobs i mean let's face it it's 2023 i mean there's no there's no need for humans to have to go to work every day in, in that kind of environment and so what we're doing is we're trying to remove that but there's also a a a big environmental focus on our technology so obviously everybody's probably you know, been hearing about the the VOC emissions and green energy for the last several years. And um, it's, it's a real thing. I mean, there are VOC emissions that are emitted from these tanks uh, when they're taken out of service. They have to basically take the take the manway ports on the side of these tanks and open them up to the atmosphere and vent all those toxic fluids or toxic vapors out. Um, and and those are recordable emissions. And so, uh, one of the things that you do remove in in addition to, uh, the confined space entry is the VOC emissions, um, because you're, you're not having to open this tank up to the atmosphere. You basically just, you know, you're able to open it for a few minutes, put the robot in and then close it back up. And so, um, while there's still some emissions that are, are, are recordable there, um, it's not months and months and months of uh, exposure there. So that's a, that's certainly, you know, along with safety, one of the big things these companies are focused on is environmental uh, performance. And then also, you know, usually the, these conversations, they begin with safety and environmental, but they always end with business economics and, you know, where are my savings at? How much are you going to charge me? What, you know, how does this work? Because, while safety and environmental are real things, there are obviously ways that they these companies cope with it right now. I mean, they they believe that there are processes and procedures in place where they can safely work inside of these tanks. If they need to, they would rather not, but if they have to, they they will. And so there has to be a business case for them to obviously make the change. Um, but again, you know, by providing this technology they're able to keep these tanks in service. And so they never have to take them out of service. They don't have to pay for excess storage. You know, there, there's no lost opportunity from downtime. And so that those add up very quickly. Um, and, and there's technologies out there that have already proven these uh, to, to be true, not necessarily in the crude oil market, but there are similar technologies that do say water tank inspections or diesel fuel tank inspections, things like that. Um so we know it's real we we've you know recently signed um memorandums of understanding with BP and also a co- collaborative project contract with uh, with Chevron as of last week so we're really happy to announce that but um you know so I guess where I was going with that is you know the companies like that they recognize that these savings are real uh these benefits of this type of technology are real and so um, we're really happy to and, and excited to see where that takes us.
0: Yeah, well, I can absolutely see the benefits. I mean, just like you said, the safety, the human aspect and being able to spend your time doing something else, for one, um, in a safer environment. Yeah, why why would we do that? I remember, you know, when we talked uh, robots, uh, if you will, uh, like moving equipment, right? Like that used to be somebody's job that had to move this motor or whatever, this heavy piece of equipment why not have a robot do that? And then they can spend their time doing something else and it's not wear and tear on your body. So you're able to work longer and in and, and more comfort. Uh, so I'm on board exactly. with that. It sounds awesome. Uh, I gr- it's really great to see that innovation and and the, that that we, we are able to uh, provide that technology in the oil and gas space. I know that we're, all looking for ways to improve, you know, the sustainability of of these places uh, and these companies are looking, OK, what can I do? And this is a solution or one of the solutions that are out there. So I love that. And I think it's you do have to kind of break down those barriers of past beliefs of this is the way we've done it um, and look. And I'm just glad that I mean, it looks like people are are taking that step right to, to get to that that new way of doing things that that helps us and makes us more sustainable.
1: Yeah. And, you know, to add on to that, there, there's also a, an aspect of, you know, how much new energy infrastructure is actually going to be built over the next 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just went through a period of, of substantial growth uh, the, this last, you know, six, eight years where you saw all kinds of new terminals being built, new ports, um, new gas processing facilities, things of that nature, all all kinds of uh, well production in our, our major basins. But we've kind of hit a period of, of where it's not so much growth, but it's strategic assets, right? And, and you see companies like Shell selling off uh, major assets because they're not part of, of the strategic vision they have. And so uh, one of the big things that they're concentrating on is, well, how can they keep those strategic assets um in service and how can they you know how can they manage them better and and keep their you know the health of those assets ongoing and so when you're able to use things like um you know ai and robotic platforms to collect this data more often um where you know previously you would have it's it's only a data point every 10 years, right? But with with technologies like robotics, um you could get data sets as often and as much as as, as frequent as, as you would like. And so it gives them more visibility into the health of their assets. It, it gives them, you know, better understanding of, okay, well, what crude oils are are more corrosive than others, you know, things like that. How can they manage this tank better? So, you know, the, the coating on the floor lasts longer. And, and so we're able to capture all that data. And one of the things that we're looking at doing now is, well, you have this big data set and everybody loves big data but how do you actually process it and and make it useful so that these companies and and your customers can do something valuable with that data and make better decisions with it and so we're excited about not only the robotics side of things but where you know where our platform might go in terms of uh AI and um, some of those advanced analytics down the line, um, where we can actually implement some of that data and and help guide decision making with uh, with their assets. So
0: yeah, I remember that being a big uh, big topic at the conference. It's I mean first, how do we get the data, but then what do we do with it, and how do we right. uh, keep it safe as well? All of those things. Or uh, the industry is talking about it, which is wonderful, and I think that. When you have been in the industry and then you get into um, and kind of working with other businesses and and share, then that's where the innovations happen. But you do have to have the background and understanding so that for you specifically having that background in oil and gas, being an engineer, but also business savvy and and out there talking with people, all of those are, are just leading up to being able to do your job and, and create better. So I think uh, it's wonderful, again, like to have met you and to, to know that y'all are out there doing this, but um, is there anything else that, you know, you had in mind that you wanted to leave our audience with?
1: You know, uh, not, nothing in particular. Um, I think, you know one of the biggest things for me is just trying to to get really our message out and and not only ours but every other startup technology that's out there trying to to improve the the health and well-being of the labor force in whatever industry you might be serving but also you know help those industries stay competitive uh, you know the oil and gas industry especially here in Texas where I'm currently based um you know i think it provided billion in tax revenue to the state and 650,000 jobs to, to the, to the state of Texas last year. And so it's, it's a, it's a huge economical, you know, machine and all all kinds of industries are in in the relative locations. But I think just, you know, for innovators to, to be able to try to, to, to innovate and and produce new technology to keep those industries uh, competitive and, and, you know, looking at long-term goals is, is so important uh, because successful industries over time, uh, they, they you know, it breeds complacency. And then, you know, you end up where the oil and gas industry was the last 20 years where they really haven't done anything different. And they're catching all this heat for um, not improving environmental things and not, you know, complying with safety and things like that. And so, it's just so important for for entrepreneurs and uh, innovators to to continue driving uh, the growth in technology, and it's it's really gonna you know put the United States and, and even the the companies on a global platform in a better space.
0: Yeah, and I, I think just on you made me think about this while you're talking. Just being able to kind of push that envelope, right? Not get complacent, like. Um, I, we are always were teaching people social media and digital technology. And I just hope, you know, that it doesn't take a decade, right, that we have these tools that if we just open our minds and work together and collaborate, we'll be able to, to move that faster for some of these companies, which is awesome. Um, yeah. So, so if y'all haven't noticed, uh, I'm a big fan, um, not just because, you know, you're from Alabama, but uh, okay. I I did tell you, I kind of scoped out your um, LinkedIn uh, River Keepers, which is this uh, organization here uh, where we kind of clean up uh, around the the water here, which it kind of touched me. I told you, like, I just like to, I like anything that is related to Alabama, but we are doing a lot of work in the water side in Alabama too. So that was kind of neat, but I wouldn't let you go. That's just one fun fact that I know about you, uh, without asking you kind of these little rapid fire questions. So if you're ready, um, I do want to ask you what your favorite book is.
1: My favorite book um I actually just read one this last couple of weeks it's called Zero to IPO um and it has to be one of of my favorites that I've read so far uh, it's a fantastic you know book and and really Lays out all all of the framework. If you're gonna you're out there starting a company, it covers everything from, you know, the inception of the idea to, to picking your co-founders to helping you establish a pitch deck and raise money and your first employee to your your last employee and ultimately uh, if you decide to IPO. So if you're a, an entrepreneur or, or uh, you know a startup founder out there and you haven't read it, uh, read Zero to IPO. It will really give you some good insight.
0: Awesome. So as a startup company, I will definitely do that. Yeah. Uh, what about music? Do you have a favorite song or band that you like?
1: Yeah, actually, uh, Creedence Clearwater, uh, Green River is is probably one of my favorite songs of all time. And that that takes me way back. Uh, I remember my older brother listening to that, taking me to school when I was younger. And so it's a great band and, and certainly one of my top favorites.
0: Love it. Uh, Okay. So best advice that you've ever received?
1: Ooh, that's a good one. Um, Probably, you know, just show up. There's, there's so many things that, you know, people don't do just because they don't show up. Right. And they're, they're scared about, you know, whether they have some anxiety about public speaking or, you know, They might get it wrong and they don't have the, all the answers, but if you just show up and you put yourself in a position, uh, you know, even if you do fail, you can learn from it and and be better prepared the next time. But if you never show up, um, you'll never, you know, gain those experiences or, or have an opportunity to, to knock it out of the park. So,
0: so, so I feel like you answered kind of both questions in that, but I am going to pose it anyway for people, I guess, young people coming in to the industry. What advice would you give them?
1: into the oil and gas industry specifically
0: i mean you can go with that if you want to branch it out i mean i, I was going to ask you know do you see your robots going outside of the oil and gas industry because there's a lot of other tanks or whatever but yeah just coming into industry itself
1: yeah i, I would say coming into industry itself um be open-minded uh you know i i had i've had a very fortunate career so far and, and got to do a lot of cool stuff and travel the world but um, you know, I never thought, like I was saying earlier, I'd be in the robotics industry, having a chemical engineering background in the oil and gas. But if you just stay open minded and, and really follow, you know, your passion. And so my passion for keeping the oil and gas industry competitive and bringing new technologies to industry led me down this road in robotics. And um, I've learned a lot and met a lot of really interesting and, and fascinating people, uh, way smarter than I'll ever, you know, you could even dream to be. Uh, but in this robotic space, and so if you're coming into industry uh, and you're brand new out of college, there's not a better time in in your career to look at small companies and startups and new technologies. It's it's so much easier when you're younger than than as you grow and you look for more sustainability. But in terms of you know our our company looking outside of the oil and gas industry, I would say there's certainly a you know a, a very long 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 outlook uh, where we've talked about what a potential applications would be um, being as we haven't yet completed a, a commercial inspection in the oil and gas industry, it's really hard to focus on that. But, you know, you mentioned being a, a water lover and uh, all things water. And so there's actually, you know, opportunities for this technology to do the same type of inspections for uh, municipalities and, you know, other, other manufacturing plants that store water on site um and, and so we've got some ideas there there's also some pipeline work which really falls in oil and gas again but uh it, it's outside of the the tank application and so there this technology could potentially be used to do some uh some internal piping inspection as well so
0: Exciting yeah we've stuff. got all
1: kinds of ideas yeah.
0: yeah 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 uh which i don't think i could be around you without like that you know um excitement for business next step like what are we going to do um and you're you're pretty active and busy uh out there making this happen which i love um if anybody wants to connect with you what's the best way for them to do that
1: yeah if anybody's listening and and wants to connect with me um probably linkedin you know would be would be the the best and easiest way to to contact me, um, you know, I'd be happy to share my, you know, direct contact information with you as well. If anybody reaches out.
0: Awesome. So we will definitely put that in the show notes. Uh, this will be going out through LinkedIn and all of our channels on empowering pumps and equipment. Um, so I guess, um, I mean, I could talk to you all day, but I'll, I'll let it end there and I'll say, sure. you know, everybody, you know, make sure that you, have subscribed to our channel, that you share this. I think this episode is actually awesome to share with your community. Get them inspired about the next step for, you know, if if they're looking at starting their own business or if they're in a business that um, they want to see it grow. They want to see it, you know, expand and and innovate. Uh, I think this is a great episode to share. So do that. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. And I guess until next time, be empowering.